This is the Cajun Strong Style Podcast. 1037 The Game's exclusive pro wrestling podcast. Making his way to the podcasting ring. Hailing from the heart of Cajun country. It's me. It's me. It's the world famous CD. Let's ring the bell and get this party started off right. And welcome everyone to the Cajun Strong Style Podcast, 1037 Games exclusive pro wrestling podcast. Appreciate you listening in however you're doing so because there's all kinds of different ways, including audiomac1037thegame.com. Also, whatever podcast gimmick that you have. And also, by the way, in case you didn't know, we put up some clips of the show from time to time on our YouTube channel. You can just search Cajun Strong Style. Go ahead and give that a sub if you will. Also, give us a subscription on your favorite podcast platform as well. And hopefully you're having a good one when you're listening to this podcast. Because obviously, we want you to have a good time. This is going to be a fun podcast. There's just a lot of positivity flowing through me. And I think it all started, obviously, with what happened this past Wednesday night. I didn't watch this live, full disclosure. I actually had an opportunity to go cover the KISS concert. I was able to take some photos. You can check that out on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash 1037thegame. You can check out a full album of photos. And my God, it was one of the most awesome shows I've ever been to in terms of non-wrestling. Because I've been to a lot of really cool wrestling shows at the Cajun Dome, indie shows, you name it. And there's been some really good ones. But that's a different conversation. This, though, was a great concert by KISS. almost did a retro review on the KISS Demon, but then I realized that they don't have the live performance on that episode of Nitro. I wanted to watch it all the way through, but thanks a lot, Peacock. Now I'm going to probably figure out something else to do for a retro review, maybe closer to Halloween. But I'm going to say this. I was slightly disappointed when I got back in my truck about 11 o'clock because right when I pull in and I get I get in my car, I go ahead and pull up Squared Circle because I, kn- I kind of knew what was going to happen. I didn't know everything. But I said, hey, here's probably what's going to happen. We're going to figure out what's going what's gonna to be the payoff for this ladder match. Wouldn't you know, we finally got it. And they hit an absolute bomb, a grand slam, if you will, on picking who was going to be the Joker. It felt inevitable that this was going to be the direction they go, and that's picking Hangman Adam Page. He returns. Massive pop. It felt like the right time to do it. Is that's the whole point of putting this together. But I was interested to see this kind of be the payoff for this storyline or better yet for this part of the arc because now Hangman Page has a guaranteed title shot at any time. And it felt like, again, he was going to be the Joker. He was going to win it. But at least I thought you'd have him back for the Owen Hart Cup, whenever that is, or the Eliminator Tournament that they announced as well later on in the week. And those brackets are going to be released Friday on Rampage, which is weird in and of itself. There's no dynamite till Saturday. Going to have to try and get used to that as well. Thankfully, the Cages ain't playing like a night game, so I can go ahead and enjoy some Saturday night dynamite on TNT. But what's interesting is they're not spinning this as like a title shot going straight to full gear. This isn't, you know, this casino chip can only be cashed in on this. It's very vague. They did the same kind of thing with Brian Cage, but they didn't tell you it was for the title or it was going to be for a specific show, which makes me wonder, because I've talked about this a lot, is they could do this one of two ways. And one of them would be a really cool idea because, well, Page's BT gimmick was pretty much full gear. He's always wearing his gear. This would be awesome to see 
a payoff be on a pay-per-view called Full Gear, be the main event. It'd be a great moment. The pay-per-view buy rates will be through the roof. And the fact you got Daniel Bryan in a match somewhere, that's going to be fun. By the way, before I started taping this podcast, it was announced Minoru Suzuki, Brian Danielson on Rampage's buy-in show. What the bleep is going on and why isn't this part? This should have been part of Dynamite. I would have been paying like good money to see this live rather than put it on YouTube for free. Really shows the brass balls that Tony Khan has. But this was a really cool moment. And I wonder, could they do this in his hometown? I keep saying it. But I think it's all about how they do the Eliminator Tournament. Because they've done Eliminator Tournaments very differently for the men and the women. The men's, it paid off at the end of Full Gear. You saw the Full Gear main event be, or one of the, the opening match, be the Eliminator Tournament final. The women's division, they just did it and gave it away on a free dynamite. In terms of who was the winner. And they fought at the pay-per-view. So they got two directions they could go. And I think the fact that you have this option, it makes it like a million times more interesting because you can still run the angle of Brian Danielson beating Kenny Omega and maybe a six-man tag, and you spin it into, hey, give me another title shot, and Kenny Omega wins either that or it's a draw or something like that. He wins clean over Brian Danielson, and he doesn't have that rematch anymore. Doesn't have to deal with that. That'd be a really great moment. And then Paige announces he's going to defend the. T- he's going to go for the title in West Virginia, and it's the perfect time to have that because it'd be a free TV show, and it undoubtedly would pop the biggest rating in the history of AEW. Like, there's no doubt in my mind this would be the biggest rating they ever have, bigger than CM Punk's debut, bigger than anything. This is going to be a show that makes just a ton of money, just in terms of your advertising dollars, just in terms of being able to show, hey, we can push a big rating. Now, I don't think they are going to do it because this is a storyline that's been going on for months and you don't want to just straight up say, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give it away on free TV. No, this needs to be a pay-per-view match. I kept saying for months how much I wanted to see this be a, a main event on a free TV show to pop a huge rating. I think I'm starting to turn around on that. I would love to see this be a main event of full gear and at a page finally wins the big the big goal finally pulls it off because we got to remember he had the first crack at the AEW championship against Chris Jericho and lost that haunted him and he started to feel like he wasn't there a lot like a lot of us sometimes felt like he wasn't good enough and he is good enough it just wasn't his night and now he has that opportunity and you think about it, the arc has been going on for almost a year or better for the good chunk of AEW's like lifespan is the tension between Hangman Page, the Young Bucks, and Omega. Because Adam Page, to a certain extent, never quite felt like he was part of the group. He wasn't really a part of Cody Rhodes' crew, the Nightmare family. He wasn't really part of the elite. And everybody started going their separate ways in 2020 before the pandemic. Then they brought him back together. And kind of for that one more run and the big angle with the inner circle that was originally supposed to be blood and guts. This is the direction that they're going, and I like it. What else I like, I think, is the fact that this is going to be going full circle because we all know what's coming up next. 
Now it's being able to tell a story about the redemption because of everything that went on in the last year. Remember, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega opened full gear. Kenny won because Kenny changed his entire persona and reverted back to the best bout machine after a loss. He went down He went down to the depths of his soul and also sold his soul to the devil of Don Callis and reformed the Bullet Club or the Elite, whatever you want to call it, the Super Click, and reformed that. And it was to make a statement that he is going to be the guy. He needs to be that guy and be the guy that's going to continue to draw great cards and also, more importantly, put together those five-star classics. Being the best bout machine, not being this guy that is relying on a weak link like Adam Page in his mind. This is that shining moment to have Kenny Omega drop the belt to Hangman. Hangman's going to win no matter what. Because if he doesn't, I feel like there's no point. This is very much a crucial moment for AEW. Because you've been investing a lot of time into telling this story. And if you screw this up, it's going to be, to me, just my opinion, very reminiscent of Starcade 97. I like the fact they pushed it back and they had a great way of explaining it. Aiden have to have that moment overshadow the debuts of CM Punk and Brian Danielson and Adam Cole. This was the right direction to go in terms of making sure that this is the biggest damn thing AEW has ever done. Fast forward to November. Once we get to next month, we get to see this match take place. Now, what happens? If... Hangman wins and wins clean. This is very much the alternate history of WCW. Because remember back in Starcade 97, you had a year and a half long storyline that built up towards this exact moment. Hulk Hogan versus Sting. The NWO versus WCW's mascot. WCW's vigilante. WCW's guy in Sting. And they screwed up the finish. Whether it was for a tan or whatever, they botched that finish beyond repair. This is a golden opportunity to show, hey, we're not WCW. We're going to make sure we do the right thing. And also, <gasps> shocker here, give the people what they want. Adam Page being the world heavyweight champion for AEW, no matter how long it is, because I think he is probably going to have the shortest reign out of anybody because of the fact that it's going to be telling a different story. Because he can win the title. But I think it's more going to be about handling himself. This is more him finding new renewed faith in friends. Go back to seeing Adam Page at double or nothing. After he lost to Brian Cage, after being poised to be the number one contender and going for the title, Brian Cage beat him and he dropped down in the ratings on a free TV show. Then you move to double or nothing and Dark Order was there to help him. Now he knows these friends are going to be with him through thick and thin, but this time frame between now and full gear it's going to be about Adam Page relearning that understanding he has people who have his back and doing that is going to be a great storytelling device over the next few weeks and the power of friendship will conquer the evil that is Kenny Omega now then he could very well go off the rails a little bit more start drinking again a little more heavily and then it becomes a different storyline and it becomes a different chase where let's say Dustin Rhodes takes him under his wings and tries to get him back on the right path. 
alongside the Dark Order, and he develops another friendship and also develops as another character arc for him to really like reach his full potential and be a long-reigning champion. Because I feel like you could have him be a, the first ever two-time champ by losing it to MGF down the road. Because again, you've got that tournament and you're starting to establish MGF as one of your top guys and one of your top chicken bleep heels. The, the, an eliminator tournament is a golden opportunity to put MJF on a pedestal and give him a title shot that he winds up taking from Adam Page the first chance he gets. That's how you tell a story. That's how you tell a long-term story, and you pay off and make sure there is character development. That's something that's missing in wrestling these days. I think outside of a few guys, characters are just characters. There's never really any progression anymore. I feel like Paige is one of those exceptions where you're going to see his story arc come to a head and he hits that moment, but then he goes back down because he's not quite there yet. And then he, when he comes back up, it's going to be even better because it then is going to tell an even better story for those that maybe are dealing with alcoholism or whatever demons they're dealing with. He was able to overcome those demons. He was able to change his life. Thanks in large part to people like Dustin, like DDP. And you can work this into an angle to say, hey, I can change, you can change, Rocky Four type stuff. That would be a great moment and it'd be a great opportunity to put Hangman Page, who's already, I think, considered one of the most over baby faces in the company outside of Darby Allen and CM Punk. But CM Punk, obviously, it's more of the legend thing. But CM Punk and Darby Allen, they're the two most over guys and Brian Danielson as well. You've got to establish. Adam Page as being one of those faces of the company. And Hangman did just that by winning as the Joker in that casino ladder match, which in and of itself was a weird thing to do, but I liked it because it wasn't like how we see Money in the Bank matches. It was different, and it worked. Welcome back to the Cajun Strong Style Podcast, 1037, the game's exclusive pro wrestling podcast. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, I know we're dealing with some issues right now. Not necessarily every episode's popping up. We're going to try and make these adjustments over the next few weeks and try and get this thing back in the right direction. But if you want to go ahead and leave us and subscribe and leave us a five-star review, write it down, and we will bring it up on the podcast before too long. And I want to bring up something else, a lost art in wrestling, if you will, and NXT pulled it off perfectly, and it was an eye-opener for me. Because a few weeks ago, I talked about something I love, and that is the Tony D'Angelo gimmick and the vignettes they filmed for him. Because they showed character, and they showed what kind of guy he is. And sometimes you need to have these characters fleshed out and established, rather than just throw out a guy randomly and he just beats somebody up. That's not going to put asses in seats, and that's not going to attract a major wrestling audience. This was a huge step in the right direction, doing this. And it got Tony D'Angelo over like Rover immediately. The second he came out, people popped for him. And it makes you wonder why we aren't seeing this more, especially guys coming from NXT to the main roster. I understand that people in WWE, they're thinking, oh, wait, they're watching Raw, they're watching NXT, they're watching SmackDown. The wrestling fan is going to watch our product every single day of the week that it's out, and they're going to watch it live. Spoilers, that's easier said than done, especially whenever you're having to compete with everything else. 
and the product isn't necessarily all that great, so people are turned off on the WWE altogether. I kind of am, but NXT has been kind of that bastion. But not everybody's watching NXT. So when you see Karen Cross just randomly debut and look like a geek against Jeff Hardy, it's going to be hard to rebuild that trust in terms of telling a effective story and, more importantly, establishing a character as a dominant force. They made a mistake by not running. They ran those vignettes a couple weeks ago to hype him up. They should have been doing that the first couple weeks and having these pre-taped segments, these pre-taped promos. That's what works. Go back and watch. And I did myself a few days ago after it kind of came to me. Tony D'Angelo may be the best part of NXT and proved why vignettes work. Go go watch the Carlito vignettes. Go watch Razor Ramon. Go watch Crime Time. Like, the list goes on and on about all these guys that have put together phenomenal like vignettes. Kofi Kingston even, more of the later day. CM Punk, technically it wasn't really a vignette. It was just him backstage with his music playing. But that did something that WWE has failed to do multiple times. Get somebody over and establish their character and give you a reason to actually root for them. It's not, it's not that hard. Like, Brian Breaker, he put himself over because of his size, because of his personality that he showed in promos. And the little pre-taped promo they did with a bunch of B-roll footage, that made him look even cooler and look like even more of a badass. Why aren't we getting these kind of things for a lot of the other standard wrestlers. Like, it just makes you look like you're lost in the fold. Like, if you can imagine, let's say you had Ricochet, instead of showing up out of nowhere on WWE main roster, you had him, like, with a vignette or two, showing off his talent, showing off his skills, and be like, hey, he's coming in the next couple weeks, and give people reason to be anticipated, like, anticipatory on what's going on. You don't have to just throw it out as a complete surprise and get that initial pop. And it's doubling back to something that I've never brought up here before. But I was at the WWE show when they were at the Cage Dome in 2019 after the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. And everybody was dead quiet most of the night. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that we knew the surprise. And two, there was no real hype or build around it. It was just, oh, hey, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, they're all here this week. And then they're not the next because of injuries. They screwed up a lot of different ways with that announcement on Monday Night Raw. And it was such a weird moment in wrestling to see that actually happen. And it was just out of the blue to pop rating. And it screwed them up severely. You were already introducing new guys like Heavy Machinery, Lacey Evans, so on and so forth. Now you're throwing even more in there, and you still haven't established who these other guys are. Because again, not everybody watches NXT, especially back then before NXT wound up making it to television, making it to actual television, not the network pre-Peacock or now. It's all like 205 Live. You don't know half those guys because you're not watching 205 Live or NXT UK all that often. But go back to Karrion Cross. He lost his match right out the gate when they could have done what they're doing two months in and have these vignettes and make him look like a credible threat. That way you can start having him job out guys who are established stars and move on from there. But enough about that. When Tony D'Angelo's music hit, the crowd just erupted. And it wasn't, you know, Road Warrior pop, but it was good enough to know, hey, he's going to get over. You have all these other gimmicks going on. 
this was a step in the right direction. You had the fans, you know, getting into it. And just, it was the little things that got me to like say, this guy's the future for one reason or another. First off, you had him like rocking the Johnny the Bull Stan Bowley hat. You had him rocking a velour tracksuit. Underneath that, you've got him wearing a wife beater. You can't get much more Italian than that other than coming down to the ring eating some gabagool, which honestly, I would have popped for like crazy. But I know they weren't going to do that because it's it that feels like even more stereotyping than an Italian gimmick can be. Then you have him pay off the ref or try to. I popped for it, to be honest with you, and it was one of the coolest moments that WWE did all last week. And seeing him, you know, get the fans behind him. It was fun, entertaining stuff, and now you have an opportunity to book somebody really well. Like they were doing the finger po- purse, hand motion, you know, the emoji thing. I absolutely love that. And it just, again, reminded me a lot of back in the day when I saw the Kofi Kingston vignettes, when I saw Carlito, when I saw, you know, even Kanan Murdoch had some video packages, the Highlanders, Crime Time, the list goes on and on. You establish who these guys are, that'll give you a reason to root for them. Or boom, one of the two. But you need to establish who your characters are. Not everybody needs to be like Stone Cold and turn their gimmick up to 11. Because then you're not different. You're not differentiating yourself from everybody else. You're not standing out. Everybody's going to start looking the same. And NXT, I think, has realized that because you can't compete with the indie darlings that AEW has. So why not do the next best thing and book more old school characters but characters that work. It's not just, oh, hey, we're going to have like 20 different dudes who are all simply put one jobbers and two are saddled with incredibly awful gimmicks. That's pretty much the long and the short of how to get over WWE stars. Like, give some of them vignettes. If they have an over the top or like really cool character that you're going to sell, do that. Go back and watch. The Carlito vignettes, Los Guerreros, those two alone are highly entertaining stuff. I was watching the crime time before recording, and those were fun as hell. That's how you're going to establish like stars of the next like 10 years is by making sure they, you put them in front of a mic and you give them time to develop their character and, to, and find their voice. Welcome back to the Cajun Strong Style Podcast, 1037 Games Exclusive Pro Wrestling Podcast. And this is that time of the podcast when I like to kind of go over some stuff I like, some stuff I hated, and there's some stuff I really hated and stuff I liked, didn't necessarily really truly like love like I've done over the last few weeks. They did some good stuff all around, but I'm going to go ahead and hit on the first thing I liked, and it's Bobby Fish bringing back his old Ring of Honor theme. Like, right when he debuted for AEW, I'm like, okay, they're just going to have some randomly, you know, dub song or something that sounds somewhat similar to, you know, his AEW stuff or his Ring of Honor stuff. No, you got the real deal Holy Fuel, the actual song, Dance Away, which he used back when he was part of Red Dragon back in the early 2010s with Kyle Riley, which was a phenomenal tag team. Doesn't get nearly as much love, but Red Dragon did a great job. The fact you had that made me pop. And everything about that match was so damn good. So much fun to see, you know, Omega 
just run around like crazy. Saw that stuff. And, you know, or should I say, Sammy Guevara, these two went at it. Put together a really good match. And hearing that music again, I popped like crazy. Now, I'm going to go back, go to another thing I liked. MLW and their Fight Lane show, which was really good. And it was all about the main event between, you know, Alex Hammerstone and the reigning champ, Jacob Fatu, who had been holding the title way longer than Roman Reigns had. So let's just put it this way. The Samoan dynasty had been dominating a lot over the last couple of years in pro wrestling. This go round, they actually did it. They actually decided, let's go ahead and take the belt off our longest reigning champion, give it to Alex Hammerstone in a championship versus championship match, and it absolutely killed. This was a fun, long match. Go check it out if you haven't already. It is well worth the wait to see NLW Fightland. Now, I want to get into some stuff I hate, and I got to get into this. Harland, the former Parker Boudreaux. The sheer fact it took exactly one minute to ruin his character, ruin his entire mystique, pisses me off to no end. You have literally a guy that looks like the next Brock Lesnar. And you go ahead and this creative team that somehow, way can't imagine looking at somebody bald, still almost 20 years later, they still can't freaking do it. I don't understand. Jim Cornette was right. This so-called creative are morons. And it's weird for me to agree with Jim Cornette. But when you look at Harland, this guy that's supposed to look like Brock Lesnar's like little brother, you got him looking like a nails reject. Nails in the WWF. This is how bad it is right now if you're a fan of wrestling. This guy, who looked to be poised to be at the level that we are seeing Braun Breaker be right now, he looks like a 40-year-old truck driver with a bald head, and you have him look like he just got out of jail. And you pair him up in a rivalry, a tag team, whatever it is, with freaking Joe Gacy, the worst gimmick WWE's put up since the gobbledygooker. And that's saying something. They put up some real duds, but this one takes the absolute bleeping cake. I can't stand Joe Gacy in a stupid, you know, we're going to go ahead and make fun of the libs, own the libs type stuff. It makes you look like a jackass. And he really does feel like he 100% believes the own BS that they put together. It feels like so bleeping, stupid. Why are we continuing to have these issues? Why are we continuing to do these things that are dumb? Come on now. We need to flip the script and move on. It's frustrating to me as a wrestling fan. I have to continually be bombarded with this bad gimmick. Dare I say awful gimmick from start to finish. And this is going to be, the company loves to piss people off. And they pissed off a lot of people more with what they did on the main roster, which is nothing new. And the way they book a show, first off, it's lazy as all get out. WWE has basically milked the cow dry when it comes to tag team matches and can they coexist. That was literally the entire theme last night was can they coexist? Spoilers, they can't because they're absolutely wanting to win matches as solo stars. Why pair them up in four in a tag team match where the face and a heel are teaming up against a heel and a heel? It makes no damn sense. It just, I can't even begin to process what they did with this show. It's a joke. It's a sham. It's fraud. 
I am so tired of the way WWE does things. And this is a prime example of why. You somehow, someway are ruining one of your best young talents by making him look like a 40-year-old truck driver. There's a big reason why Adam Cole wasn't going to shave his head. There's a big reason why Frankie Kazarian, when he was in the WWE, he didn't cut his hair. When they asked him to, he just left. You've got to figure out what you want to do with your company. And Vince McMahon having Joe Gacy be one of your top stars, at least based off of the first month, this is a bad look. But going back to the main roster, they screwed up royally, pun intended, with the Queen's Crown Tournament. Because literally, only one match on the men's card was longer than the entire tournament's first round combined. You're going backwards with two three-minute matches that serve really no purpose, and you're just putting a bracket together to go ahead and try and draw clout and draw people to your Twitter and Facebook and your polls. Great idea in theory, but it absolutely kills the momentum dead in its tracks with how the WWE continually books itself into a corner. And it's agonized. It is me saying straight up having a bad time type stuff. And I can't stand it. WWE continues to screw it up and you have short matches and you go ahead and change the finish to one of them for no reason at all. Carmella beats Liv Morgan and people are pissed off about that. And I think justifiably so. There was no point why you had to go ahead and change it all willy nilly. Does Liv Morgan have heat? I don't know. But it's frustrating to see that. And it happens every time we see storylines be told. I swear to God, if they screw up the Xavier Woods King of the Ring storyline, I'm going to be outright pissed. I'm going to be like legit angry, and you'll hear me rain on it. I won't watch the pay-per-view on Thursday, thank God, because i got much better things to do with my life than watch that pile of garbage. I cannot stand seeing storylines get screwed up because of last-minute rewrites. There needs to be no rewrites in wrestling. How it is is how it is, and we're going to move on. That's how it should be. I don't care if some 80-year-old man just turns around and says, oh, hey, this is bad stuff. Let's go ahead and flip it around and redo it and go ahead and screw up a finish after you already told the talent that you were booking this was the finish. Now it's, oh, hey, we need to change the finish because Vince doesn't like it. Well, screw Vince McMahon in certain senses. He can go to hell and he's to just let off the brake a little bit and let others take over. Honestly, to a certain extent, I'm just waiting to see if there's going to be any emails a la John Gruden that Vince McMahon has to where he's got to step down and sell the company because things ain't looking good from that perspective, from the way they tell stories, because it is literally S-O-S, same old bleep. And that'll about do it for this week's Cajun Strong Style Podcast. Thank you so much for listening in. And if you're on iTunes Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. And any other podcast app that you have, go ahead and give us a subscribe. That really helps us get noticed. I mean, the five stars definitely help us get noticed on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Spotify, YouTube, and our social medias. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Maybe we'll get on TikTok down the road. First, got to come up with the cool challenges and try and figure out how to be with it, if you will. But until next time, enjoy the pro wrestling, and we'll talk to you down the road.